0: Hello, there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today I would like to take you through an exploration of the first decan of Taurus. This is a part of a series that I'm going to be doing that I like to call interdisciplinary divination. So we're going to be kind of looking at uh, some astrological factors, uh, some some tarot, uh, the I Ching, and how and trying to bring all these things together. Um, In kind of a cohesive whole. This is something I've been doing in my weekly forecast for a long time. um, But I thought that I would do some breakout videos that are a little bit shorter and, and potentially could be something that we could refer back to again and again, as we are examining the aspects and the movements of the planets through the zodiac over the course of the year. So we do have a, a Mars transit to Taurus coming up. So I thought I would start with Taurus 1. So let me pull up some notes here, and we'll get to it. Uh, so Taurus, what do we what do we know about Taurus? First of all, it's a fixed Earth sign that is uh, talking about the uh, stabilization of the springtime season. It is hosted by Venus. So this is Venus is a planet that likes to bring things together, the unification of body and soul so if we think about this in a in almost a linear fashion or a circular fashion with the zodiac if we created differentiation uh through the mars ruled sign of aries where we individuated uh, we are now trying to unify that individual vision with some kind of physical body so this is a an interesting area of the zodiac where we are going to be trying to fructify an interesting word, um, which also leads me to the word fecundity, which is one of my favorite words that I've learned from uh, one of my favorite authors, Austin Kopic in his book, 36 Faces. Uh, much of this work I would not be able to do without his trailblazing efforts. So thank you, Mr. Coppick, for all the, the work that you've done. And I hope that I can add something useful to the conversation. I believe that he has a second edition of this book coming out pretty soon. But fecundity, what does fecundity mean? Because this is going to be something that's really going to help us to understand the first decan of Taurus. And let me back up for one second. A decan is a 10 degree section of the zodiac. So each of the 12 signs is divided into three sections or three 10 degree sections. And they each have their own special ruler. Uh, Each sign has their own host providing resources, and each decan has their own set of rulers and their own set of significations. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the tarot card associated with the first decan of Taurus. We're going to look at some of the fixed stars associated with the first decan of Taurus and the daimon or spirit that may be animating that area of the zodiac. You can think of these decans as basically like areas that, or kind of like uh, they're temples, but they're also uh, matrices of possibilities. So the planets are trying to exert their will or bring things or concretize things through these areas of the zodiac. So in that first decan of Taurus, let's let's figure out what we're dealing with here. So fecundity, let's go back to that word. Fecundity means the quality or power of producing abundantly, productive or creative power fruitfulness or prolificness. So we are trying to create something fertile in this first decan of Taurus. Now, there are a number of different themes that we have to work out along that way. So let's talk about some of the technical details of this particular decan first. Uh, we see the there are a couple of different sources besides Austin Coppick's book, 36 Faces. Now, in his book, he calls it the plow. So we might be able to think about someone, a farmer, plowing the fields, or a field that is ready to be planted, or we have to prepare the field to be planted. Book T, uh, which is another source for some of these decanic tarot meanings, calls it material trouble. And the book of Toth, which was a book written by Alistair Crowley, calls it worry. So we have some interesting themes of being able to try to create fecundity or fertility, but also some worry about the process. And Austin Coppock talks a lot about this first decan as making a plan, uh, being able to prepare because of potentially feeling uh, a sense of lack. So there may be a worry about not having enough. Perhaps we've just differentiated from the parent plant, from the collective, uh, created a new identity, created a new world that we wanna create, thought of some new goals and how we are different from the whole, and now we're really trying to plant some seeds or create some kind of fertility or material form from that new identity. But there could be some worry because when we've differentiated from that parent plant, now now we may be left thinking, oh my goodness, how are we gonna support ourselves? And this is some of the themes that we have in the first decade of Taurus. Okay, so a couple uh, technical things as far as dignity goes. It is the house of Venus, which is trying to bring things together. It is said to be trying to unify those things that are meant to be together or have been separated. So we've separated consciousness, and now we're trying to unify it with a body. It is also the exaltation of the moon. So we have sort of a, a dual type of rulership with the host being Venus, but the moon being its exaltation ruler or an honored guest or something where the moon functions very well in Taurus. So the moon likes to bring things into form. It is a planet that is associated with bringing things into being and passing them out of being through its waxing and waning phases. So with the exaltation of the moon at 3 degrees of Taurus we see a very powerful place of creation. And we have this combination of lunar significations where we're trying to bring things into form, but we're trying to unify something with Venus. So you can see that we have this kind of dual quality to Taurus of this Venus and and moon signification. Now, we do have a planet that, that finds its exile in Taurus, and that's Mars. And Mars is kind of the opposite of Venus. It's something that is severing and separating. So Mars is not necessarily very comfortable in this particular area of the Zodiac because its, it's impulse is to separate that which belongs together. And in this decan, we're actually trying to combine things. So uh We'll talk about Mars and Taurus as we do a separate video here, but but this is a particular place where Mars is going to be uncomfortable. Uh, Mars, of course, is at home in Aries and also in the opposite sign of Taurus, Scorpio. So it, it is said to be the ruler of those two signs where we're trying to eliminate potentially bad habits in Scorpio. Uh, and we're also trying to sever and separate to create new identity in the sign of Aries. So here in Taurus, Mars finds a little bit of a lethargic place, some, some place where it may be difficult to um, overcome the powers of inertia. Now, with Mars, it may be important to turn that, that inertia into, into hard work and to prepare for the future, but we'll talk about that when we get to the, the Mars video. But just keep in mind that we have Mars is something that is, is the antithesis of life. The, the two malefic planets, Mars and Saturn, were said to be uh, either cold and dry, With Saturn, which was is something that when we're trying to plant something isn't necessarily going to provide fertility or very hot and dry. Same thing with Mars, where we have a a hot and dry planet that may be uh, creating or making it difficult to to fertilize the fields. So something to think about when we're exploring Taurus as a whole. Uh, now, the, the Daimon or spirit of this particular Deccan were the Charities, and we'll talk about that in a second. And we're going to talk about the fixed stars Hamal at 7 degrees of Taurus and Shader at 8 degrees of Taurus. Hamal was one of the stars in the constellation Aries, and the uh, fixed star Shader was the one of the stars in the constellation Cassiopeia. So we have kind of these dueling themes of maybe barging headlong into something or trying to force our way and perhaps having to carry ourselves with dignity. Now the face rulers of the first of Taurus are Mercury and Venus. So this is a particular area of the Zodiac where we might be making plans and communicating to others what we intend to do. And the, the first ruler is the, um, the descending Chaldean ruler. So this is where we we start with a particular planet. I believe we start with Mars and Aries and we go in descending Chaldean order throughout the zodiac. Now, with the the second uh, face ruler, this is based on the triplicity rulership system. So Venus would be the one of the triplicity lords of the earth signs here. So different ways of thinking about this Deccan. And a lot of this is really covered, like I said, in Austin Coppick's book, 36 Faces, he really does a great job of giving us a lot of things to think about. So if we're going to think about a story in uh, the sign of Taurus, first, we might be making plans in the first Deccan. In the second Deccan, we are trying to have a rhythm that will produce success the second decan was associated with charity but also consistency that leads to fertility and fecundity Um, we may be having to learn to nurture something consistently and then the third decan of taurus we may be uh, dealing with some of the destructive forces as we patiently wait for the what we've planted to come to fruition and this is where we have things like pestilence and we have to defend against diseases but so we have to caretake uh, so there is definitely uh, some kind of linear story that happens with this, but let's move back to the first decan of Taurus and let's look at this tarot card. So this tarot card, and one of the things that we under- try to understand with the uh, decanic system is that each decan was consecrated or had an association with a one of the minor arcana of the Rider weight tarot deck. And this is a a system that kind of gives us a a nice visual interpretation of this particular area of the zodiac. So what we have here is the five of pentacles and the pentacles in the minor arcana were associated with earth signs. So we had pentacles associated with Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. And we have uh, the fixed signs associated with five, six, and seven of all of the fixed signs. Okay, so here we have the five of pentacles. And in this card, we see two figures that have fallen on hard times. Perhaps they were destitute or sustained some kind of injury, and they are outside of a church or a stained glass window. And this speaks to some of the fear or worry that we may have of not having enough. So one of the things that's important in this first of Taurus is planning. If we want to avoid the image in this card— we need to be able to prepare the fields to plant the seeds and to be able to grow it into some kind of fruition or some kind of fertile fruit that, w- that, will can- that will then be able to sustain us as we move forward throughout the season. Okay. So the questions you can ask yourself with this tarot card, how can you prepare the fields of your life so that they will become more fertile? How can you shift? Now, this is one thing I wanted to talk about. There's another book that I'm really interested in right now that I'll show you. It's called The Holistic Tarot by Benabel Wen. You can see it here. A very good book that, uh, very thorough, you can see it's very thick here. And she is um, somebody who talks about resilience. And this is a theme that I really enjoy right now, is how do we craft resilience from our study of divination, like astrology, like tarot, like the I Ching, um, we may not always be able to change the events that we are going to experience in our life. The These divinatory systems, and I'll show you one other book I like, sorry, I'm skipping around here, but this is the Listening to the Oracle by Diane Skafti, PhD, who is a teacher at the Pacifica Graduate Institute, and she's talking about how do we receive oracles and what oracles are. Oracles are our spirit being able to speak to us and all of these different systems are divinatory in nature and there are ways for the divine to speak to us and give us kind of the, the lay of the land and see what direction we may be heading towards uh, in our lives and give us a little bit of a heads up and not maybe not even necessarily to change events this is one thing that I think is really important. I think that we as individuals become changed by this divinatory or oracular experience. I was reading about the the Delphic Oracle today and how a lot of the leaders were coming and asking the Oracle, all these very mundane questions. And eventually I think that the Oracle may have uh, left that place or crumbled due to some of the frustration with these mundane questions of, should I go to war and all of these things. But uh, when it came down to it, The oracle was was changing the people. It wasn't necessarily always uh, making them make a different choice, although that is one possibility, but their consciousness itself was changed. And I think that that's what we're trying to do when we're exploring these Decanic placements. So, what is going to change us? What is the the lay of the land? What is the experience that we're experiencing in in Taurus 1? Well, if we go back to this card, we may be seeing a possibility of. Uh, not having enough, or the feeling of not having enough. And whatever planet is going to be moving through this particular decan, it could be simultaneously trying to plan, trying to prepare through potentially worry about not having enough. Uh, It could be separating us, like Mars, from those plans, from that consistency, from uh, the what the means necessary to create stability and security so that we may have to respond in a way that is courageous, or we may need to take action, Mars, to be able to prevent that that reality from forming. We may have something like Saturn that is denying us the ability to plant a fertile field in our youth, and we have to learn through uh, the, our through time, through our maturity, to be able to Uh, be consistent so there's all sorts of different ways that we can experience this with the different planets if like you have the sun in this particular decade you may craft an identity through maybe a scarcity mindset or through a need to continually plant new seeds and to plan there's many different ways to respond to the impulses that you are receiving from different planetary wills so that's where the choice comes back into this so what are we needing to choose well we're needing to choose to uh not fall into the trap of that scarcity mindset, uh, of the spiritual poverty that could manifest if we only pursue our material reality or if we let fear overcome us in this pursuit of material uh, having enoughness, I guess we could call it. So this is, this is something where we really have to have some mental discipline to be able to work through consistently day by day and, and be able to tend to those fields and really work the fields with the plow itself. What we're doing is we're, we're uh, breaking up the soil so that it becomes something that can be fruitful so that all those microbes that live in the soil can heat up and can start to do their magic and to provide uh, fertility for whatever seed that we want to plant. And that takes hard work. That takes, uh, some very, um, some very powerful tools. That takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears sometimes. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, But once we've plowed that field, like Venus, we have to allow things to come to us. This is one of the keys to Venus. Venus was of the nocturnal sect, uh, which was associated with the moon and associated with fortune. And fortune is things that we receive, is this fortune is things that may happen to us that aren't necessarily always through our own efforts. So there's this quality of definitely having to work the fields, but also having to accept what comes and to have patience. I think patience is one of the key words in this particular deck. In So if we move forward and we look at this, I have uh, some notes here and I move forward here. We're trying to uh, have patience through that Venusian quality. In the story of Venus, Aphrodite, as she emerged from the ocean, she emerged like a phosphorescent jellyfish, and she didn't necessarily have to do anything to be adorned by these graces, by these uh, charities. Okay, And these were the attendants, the charities, the diamond or spirit of this particular Deccan are the charities, and they were the attendants of Aphrodite or Hera. And they were personifications of qualities like grace, beauty, abundance, laughter, joy, and pleasure and they had three different names, according to Hesiod, who was one of the original Greek poets that was speaking to some of these Greek myths. Uh, the first uh, charity was called Yerfros, Yerfros, oh, sorry, hold on a second Yerfrosine, Yerfrosine, I think that's how you say it. Some of these are challenging to say, and she was the charity of good cheer joy and mirth merriment okay then we have aglaya who was the charity of beauty adornment splendor or glory and then we had talia who was the who uh, the attendant of festive festive celebrations or rich or luxurious banquets so they were providing all of these um these gifts to the goddess okay and these are part of this particular decan where we're going to be, we have the ability to, uh, to create some of this kind of joy, some of this mirth, some of this pleasure. Uh, the pleasure principle is active. And are we going to be distracted by it? So one of the dangers of this Deccan is we may have uh, the ability to be distracted by this. So we uh, consume and have an overindulgence mindset. Um, are we going to be distracted from the necessary work by pleasures that are present in this particular decan. So one of the things that Austin Kopic talks about in his book is that a lack of preparation can lead to scarcity. So one of the things that I think is really important is a balance of work and play. So in this particular Deccan, we have to be very careful that we are creating plans for the future, that we're not getting distracted by all of the the riches and beauties and, and Venusian things of life by our desires. Uh, Venus can also represent desire. Um, I think one of the things that Venus also represents is harmony, right? This union. And it's this is the nocturnal home of Venus. So this may be something that is more feminine, more yin, where we're trying to create harmony internally. So if we see in the, in the diurnal home, Venus trying to create external or social harmony in Libra. Uh, We may be trying to create inner peace, inner harmony, maybe through good food, through sleep, through pleasurable contact, physical contact with someone else, but also potentially through creating uh, a a spiritual outlook as well through meditation. So this is something where we need to be very uh, aware of how we are creating inner peace and inner fortitude. Okay, so one of the things that I did when I was exploring this Deccan in my integrative divination practice, uh, interdisciplinary practice, is I asked the I Ching, which is another type of oracle where you cast coins or sticks and you get either a a broken or a a unified line six times. And that creates what's called a hexagram. And in this particular uh, video, I cast an I Ching to ask what the true essence of Taurus one is and i received the hexagram 63 which is called already across and in this hexagram we have uh the image of i guess they use the story of a little fox that's trying to cross a river and in this case we've already done the hard work necessary and and this is something where we have committed to a new direction and we've really already resolved Uh, to differentiate in the sign of Aries, right? In the beginning of spring, we have a new goal. We have a new impetus. We have a new individual identity. And now we're becoming kind of like uh, a simmering pot. This was one of the images that came up with this, the, the simmering pot. So this is where the meal is now being prepared to cook. So you can think of, again, like you're preparing all the ingredients and you're putting them in the pot. But also when you're preparing this beautiful meal, you have to have qualities of patience. You can't rush a great meal. Just like you can't rush a plant that's growing. So what I found super interesting is the changing line uh, in this hexagram was the second to last line, the second from the bottom. um, And it was changing from a, a broken line to a more unified one. And in this line, it says, becoming exposed while crossing, perhaps regretting striking out on your own or leaving the nest. Uh, this could be something where we're crafting an independent identity, and this requires constant attention and work and patience, but this is the time becomes the vehicle. This, were, this may be a particular decade at the beginning of Taurus where we feel like we've like we're questioning whether we made a mistake, and how are we going to sustain ourselves with this new identity? How are we going to provide for our material resources? And one of the keys we have to do is resist doubt. We have to assume an attitude of positive expectation with this particular decan. This is kind of the rest or the peace after the war. We fought the war to become individuated, and now this is the time really to get to work to be able to support and to put down roots so that that new identity doesn't crumble. So we have to wait with commitment. We have to prepare while we wait, we have to prepare that beautiful meal and let it simmer and let it cook. Now, here's what is interesting. This, this hexagram 63 already across after the war, right, uh, it's changing to number five, which is called patiently waiting. So anything good comes uh, from a little bit of patience in this particular decade. So we can't rush the process. We can't water things twice as much to make it grow any faster. We have to trust some of the natural rhythms that we are experiencing in the spring season. All right. So I wanted to show you one more thing before we move on here and move forward. And we're gonna share our screen here and we're gonna look at the sky. And what we are seeing here, this is a program called Starry Night Pro, and we're going to look at the area of the zodiac that we are discussing. And because of a concept called precession, the two zodiacs, the sidereal, well, the one based on the constellations, and the tropical, the ones based on the, uh, the interplay of light and dark over the course of the year or, or the spring uh, and vernal, the vernal and the fall equinoxes and the solstices, that's the tropical zodiac that starts at zero degrees Aries, okay, at the uh, spring equinox, where the light and the dark are equal in the, in the daytime. Uh, we see this split over precession. Precession is this split of the zodiac due to the wobble of the earth, or this apparent split from our vantage point on earth. This is something we have to really consider when we're talking about astrology is this is from our vantage point on the earth, this geocentric perspective. Um, And now we know scientifically that the earth revolves around the sun, but this is a more symbolic representation. And what we see in the first decan of Taurus, it sort of lines up with the constellation of Aries. So we have this area of the zodiac here that is not quite to the bowl yet, okay? We can see that it's it's kind of projecting out into, here is Aries and the fixed star Hamal right here, okay, in the head of the ram. We have the constellation Cetus, okay? Which is the kind of the, the whale or the sea monster. So we have maybe this aggressive headlong type of or headstrong type of energy that could play out in this particular decan, but there's also this subconscious fear, right? This was not a nice whale of modern interpretation or modern times. This was like a, a sea monster that was waiting to swallow you from, from under the ocean. It was about mystery. It was about all of the deep seated fears that we may have. And this may be part of the, the first decan with the five of pentacles too, that we're, we may be afraid that we're being, gonna be swallowed up by this sea monster. And if we go up a little bit further in this particular decan, we see that we have the royal family closer to the pole, and here is Cassiopeia. And in the uh, the breast of Cassiopeia, the queen, we have the fixed star Shadar or Skadar. I'm not exactly sure how to say that, but we'll go with Shadar here. And this, you know, anything with the royal family talks about dignity, right? Now. Cassiopeia did have a, a moment of hubris where she compared her, I believe she compared her daughter's beauty to, uh, to Hera in her, in her temple or Athena. I'm not exactly sure. I was one of the, one of the goddesses. Uh, and she, com- she was comparing her daughter's beauty to one of the goddesses in her own temple. And she was punished for that. She, Cassiopeia was chained to a rock and, and, you know, the Kraken was, was going to come and and uh, you know, consume her, that maybe it was Cetus, this whale here, that was going to come consume her. And we have this story of Perseus, the hero, uh, kind of liberating the damsel in distress. So we may have a little bit of hubris that we have to deal with. But also, I think that when I was meditating on this particular Deccan and these two fixed stars in general, and these are alpha stars in both Aries and in Cassiopeia, I think that we have a choice in this Deccan. And that choice is, are we going to become dignified and humble ourselves like Cassiopeia eventually had to do, uh, or are we going to rush headlong into whatever our desires are? Are we going to let our desires consume us rather than being uh, in control of them and having this royal kind of feminine or female sovereignty that we see in uh, uh, someone who is stately or has a queen-like type of um, essence? So I think that that's part of the choice in this particular decade, is is, are we going to let our desires consume us? Are we going to let our desires uh, move us towards just the pursuit of idle pleasures? Or are we gonna do the hard work necessary to be able to cultivate the fields of our life and be able to uh, plan ahead, to be able to um, embrace that sometimes hard work is necessary, And then are we, once the hard work is done, are we gonna allow ourselves to become open to receive? And I think that's really the key here. We have to do the hard work, do what is presented. Like if you are a gardener, you have to tend to the field, you have to water the plants, you have to fertilize it, but then you have to wait. One of the most beautiful parts of uh, being a gardener is is learning patience and you can't rush the the process. So that's something that we're gonna be having to embrace when planets move through this terrain. So I think that when we're talking about astrology, we're thinking about a quality of time. And whenever planets are moving through this particular terrain, they're pulling on this essence. They are moving through this landscape. And in this landscape, the terrain is calling for patience. And the fixed stars are adding some of their mythological essences to them and the planets are drawing upon those divine laws and those divine essences okay so that's kind of how this works the planets are drawing power from those fixed stars from those more um eternal stories and we as human beings are being influenced by these planets on, on a symbolic level uh if you want to think of it that way there's a synchronicity uh between what we're experiencing here on earth and what those planets are are speaking towards um if you're more of a if you have more of an aristotelian bent there may be these these planets may be casting beams and and uh you know having some sort of uh, power or gravitational type of power but i i tend to gravitate more <laughs> towards see the pun there gravitate more towards the the platonic model where there these are oracular speakings where they are giving us insight into the the terrain and the cosmic mind and sort of the what the, uh, the quality of time is like. And uh, yeah, so that's something to meditate on. Now I will say once again for clarity, this is something where you may feel this influence and it doesn't necessarily mean that you necessarily are going to have to act upon that impulse. So if you are feeling like uh, you're being severed and separated from your, uh, your, your resources, You don't have to lash out in anger. It may be a call to to have courage and to work a little bit harder and to work a little bit more consistently, just like where if you have Jupiter in the sign, uh, because you may come towards this type of abundance easily, it doesn't mean to overindulge in that because that could potentially lead to its own set of problems. So uh, that is where we can kind of have the marriage of, of sort of free will and destiny is how do we react to some of these impulses and use our free will to move throughout the world. And how do we let this impulse change us? All right, so that's what I have for you with the first decan of Taurus. I hope to be able to refer back to these videos as different planets move throughout uh, the different decans. And this is something that I will link to other videos as we see some of the the more specific kind of qualities of uh, the different planets through the decans over the course of a year and their interactions with other planets. If you are enjoying these videos I do have some some donation links below I have a Venmo Uh, at spencer michaud and also a paypal me that you can donate to the work that i do i'm trying to keep my work as accessible to as many people as possible and and your donations can really help to to make this work possible there's a lot of research that goes into these things and a lot of time and effort and blood sweat and tears like in taurus so if you have more and you may be able to help provide for someone else that may not have enough and you'd be giving the gift of knowledge to someone so that i can keep these videos accessible to us the most amount of people possible. The other thing that you can do to support the work that I do is make sure that you're subscribed to the channel and share this with your with your friends, give it a like. Tell me your experience of the first decade of Taurus. Do you have any planets in this in this particular decade in, in your natal chart? And what has your life story been with this particular decan? And have you had any prominent transits where a planet was in zero to 10 degrees of Taurus? And, and what was that like for you? And, and what have you experienced from that? And what lessons can you share with us in the comment section below? So that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for being here with me and I appreciate all of you. And I will talk to you soon, peace.